0: to this week's LaFeva CFC podcast. Connect with us via our website LaFevaCFC.com or our Facebook page www.facebook.com slash CFC. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Continuing on renewal and being revived, being refreshed. And for me, as I've just been reflecting, that a church on fire, a church that is renewed and refreshed is a church that brings about renewal to the city or the community where Christ has placed us. So it's so important that actually for each one of us, that there's this renewing and refreshing and reviving that's taking place because our community depends upon it. We're going to look at um, a passage in Luke 11 today. Um, Looking at, and it's called the Lord's Prayer but we're going to look at this passage, and in this passage, it starts out... I'll flick up the bit that I'm going to read, and we'll look at it in more detail, but I'll just give you the context of it. It says, one day, Jesus was with his disciples, and they asked Jesus, well, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray like John teaches his disciples how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And then, one of the most famous prayers that many people know... Even non-church attending people are quite familiar with this prayer. Maybe some of you know it. Anyone know the Lord's Prayer, that they could recite it to us? Antoinette's nodding. You want to give us the Lord's Prayer? Awesome. Very good. That is the Matthew's Gospels version of it. Now could you give me the Luke's Gospels version of the Lord's Prayer? <laughs> there is almost identical, but there is a subtle, subtle difference. Um, but that it really, that is it. You're, oh, you know the Luke's version? Oh, okay, here we go. Is it instead of forgive us our sins, it's forgive us our trespasses? Uh, no. Now we're talking about words, but there is a, actually a structural difference in um, Luke's gospel and um, Matthew's gospel. But you may even be correct there. I, haven't even, I can't pick that up for you. Um, but yeah, it's so well known. We know it. And what I love about the fact that Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel are subtly different that actually says to me that it's not about magic words and getting them in a right order. The fact that the gospel writers didn't even actually get it so nailed down that it was exactly the same, that there is space within it, that it's about the condition of our heart and speaking to the Lord and there's some wonderful truths that come out of it. But some of you are going, oh oh, no, is this a message about prayer? And yes, but if you're like me, every time I hear a message on prayer, I leave going feeling bad that my prayer life isn't enough. And if you asked any one of us, we would all say, could you pray more or would you like to pray more? And the answer is yes, um, for each and every one of us, no matter how much we pray or how little we pray. So this, not wanting you to leave this place going, oh my goodness, I need to pray more or I'm bad because I don't pray enough. Uh, I think we need to pray as we can. And however that looks for you, pray as you can not as you should be, or have this aspiration that stops you from going forward in prayer. Pray as you can, whether that's in the car, on the way to work, whether it's a few minutes while you're doing the dishes, um, or it's, if it's on a lunch break, whatever it is for you, pray as you can, as opposed to, oh, well, if I can't do an hour a day, well, I'm not going to do any. But we're looking at renewal, and we're going to look at the next part of the... I've got to turn this on first... There we go. I'm going to look at the next part of the story. and um, This is where Jesus says the Lord's Prayer and then he tells them this parable, this story. Jesus says, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my child, children are in bed, I, I, I cannot get up and give you anything. I don't know what sort of friend knocks on your door at midnight. Um, have you had anybody knock on your door at midnight? Yes? Was it an emergency? Okay, at least he thought it was. There was a sense of an emergency or urgency about the person rocking up at your door. I'm not sure three loaves of bread, for me, is an emergency. Um, I'm, yeah, I don't know, how would you feel? Midnight, knock on the door. Um, maybe it's not, not um, a knock on the door anymore. Maybe it's a text message um, late at night or a phone call. Say, hey, you've got some bread, you've got some sugar, you've got something... I missed a phone call last night, which was a semi-emergency. Nathan um, rang me at 10 past 10 last night, um, and I was asleep and had my phone on, do not disturb. So I didn't take it, get the the message and the call until five o'clock this morning when I got up. But he was after a preacher for for somewhere this morning, um, which I couldn't answer his emergency. So someone else got the gig of preaching this this morning at short notice. But um, there's an emergency. Midnight's an appropriate time to make contact, but not in for three loaves of bread come on Um, and in this story then the guy responds well I'm I'm not coming Alyssa told me a story this morning about some friend oh someone who knocked on her door she was house sitting um and she's been doing a fair bit of house sitting over the last bit of time and a couple of nights ago at late in the night when her and um Mia who was house sitting together were watching a scary movie um wasn't wasn't a scary movie wasn't a scary movie Okay, well, there's this bang, bang, bang on their front door. So it's late, it's dark, it's two girls at home, and they're thinking, emergency, what is this? They're fearful, they go, and they start calling out, is anybody there, is anybody there? And nobody's at the door. Um, so then they go back in. Um, the house that they're living at, Tim Lockins lives next door, so those who know, that's Pastor Bill's house, that they were house-sitting. But Tim was next door, so me um, his uncle... So they disturbed him by the knock. The knock was so loud, disturbed him, and then um, the girls are scared. So they call uh, Mia's uncle, who is about this tall and about this wide, who lives around the corner. So he walks around, scouts out the house, um, and all they can work out is someone knocked on the door, jumped in the car, and drove off. Um, and so they were ter- they were anxious and terrified and worried. Um, so there's this knock on the door that created fear for them. Um, they did actually go to the door, even though they probably didn't want to because there was fear happening there. And um, the story goes on that it was some good friends of theirs who let them be terrified for a few hours and thought it'd be the boys thought it would be a great practical joke to knock on the door late at night. Um, so those boys have had a few phone calls and um, I think it's absolutely hilarious, but that's all right. Um, it's the sort of thing I would have done. <laughs> it's I would have done. Um, but a knock on the door, a knock means someone's there, you come in. I don't know if you, what your knock is, but we have food deliveries and we get the knock on the door. We know somebody's there, but if it's just that, that means nothing. You don't get up for that, but knock, 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 come to the door. And in this passage, the guy's saying, well, I'm not, um, I'm not getting up because I've locked the door. Kids are in bed. The custom of this time is probably that they were all in one room. Um, And for him to get up, because the kids would be asleep, family would be asleep, for him to get up, it means disturbing everybody, moving everything to get to opening the door. Because really, you look at that and go, come on, what are you complaining about? Just get up and get to the door. But he, um, yeah, wasn't willing to. But then the story goes on. Remember, Jesus is the one who told this story. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of his friendship, so not even... not even for friendship, he wouldn't get up and do it. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I am saying to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead. Anybody in that bracket? Dads, any dads? (laughs) No? Or if you ask for an egg, would give him a scorpion. If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? As I don't have time to unpack this whole passage on prayer and those sorts of things. But what jumped out on me from that passage as I was reading it a couple of months ago was the word shameless audacity. And these are the words of Jesus Christ. He's telling a story and he's telling us, this is how I want you to pray. Be like that neighbor who's willing to go and knock on the door and ask. Because out of that audacity of the ask, the boldness of the ask, they'll actually get an answer. And Sondra quite often says to me, how did you get an exit row seat? How did you get this? How did you get that? I said, I just asked. Like, people would give you stuff if you ask. Um, Sondra wouldn't ask that question. She'd be, no, I don't want to ask that. If you ask, all they can do is say no. But here, the, the boldness of the person to go across the street, knock on the door and ask it at a socially inappropriate time, Jesus says, I want you to pray like this. Just quickly, um, I've been read- just finished reading this book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. It's a great read if you want a book on prayer um, and the habits of prayer and building a prayer rhythm in your life. Um, great read, but um, we're not going to talk too much about that today. So what jumps out of me off- for me off this page is Shameless Audacity. If I'm wanting renewal, I'm wanting that passion, I'm wanting to be refreshed. The disciples said, Jesus, teaches us to pray. He gave them a structure and a system of prayer, but then he said, you need to be. Remember, these are the words of Jesus. They're not the televangelist, They're not the hyper-faith preacher. These are the words of Jesus Christ himself saying, have audacious prayer. Be shameless in your requests to me. Other translations use the word persistence or boldness. Persistence sounds a lot more Christian, doesn't it? A lot more acceptable. Be persistent in your prayer. That's acceptable Christian language. But shameless audacity, that's the NIV and I love that. Shameless persist- persistence, not ashamed to keep on asking. Absolutely love those thoughts. And I want to challenge us to be people who are shamelessly audacious with our request to the Lord. How would life be different? if we were a lot more shameless in our asking, if we were bold in our requests. There's a story of a lady who had a bleeding problem. In 12 years she'd had this issue and she'd been to all sorts of places to get get help, but she lived with shame. She lived with disappointment. She lived with discouragement. And the Gospel writers, writers tell us that she put all that shame and that all of that aside, to hope and believe that if she touched the hem of Jesus, that something amazing would take place with her. So she overcame her personal shame. That word shameless, we can look at it in two ways. Some people are shameless because they, they do bad things and have no care that they do bad things. I'm not talking about that type of shameless. We're talking about being, not having shame that keeps us from the request, keeps us from praying, keeps us from going to the Lord Say, Lord, I'm believing for this. But this lady, she was so bold, she was so shameless, she let put all her shame and all her disappointments and all her discouragement aside and got to the feet of Jesus. And in that place, there was this amazing miracle that took place. How would we go if we came to Christ with a lot less shame? So often we allow the things of the weak the things of the past, or I'm not worthy, or someone else should pray, or they they pray better prayers than me, God wouldn't hear my prayers. We come with all these things that we pile up that stop us coming with shamelessness towards the Lord and saying, Jesus I'm asking for this. I'm believing for this. Audacity. Abraham. There's a prayer of Abraham. And this is challenging. Listen to this prayer and how he interacted with God and I'm not sure I'd have this level of confidence or audacity to talk to the Lord like this but the Lord said Sodom I'm going to destroy that city and then Abraham pops up and says but Lord if there was 50 righteous people in that city if I could find 50 would you not you wouldn't destroy the city would you yeah then he goes well what about if I found 40 righteous people Lord 30, and he goes right down, keeps going back to the Lord. What if I found 10 righteous people, Lord? Because he reckons he could probably find that in this whole city because 50 was a high starting point. But he kept going back and back to the Lord. But he had this boldness and audacity in his relationship and his talk with the Lord. I say, Lord, I want that in my prayer life. I want to be able to interact with you like that, to speak to you freely, to come to that place with you. Moses in uh, Exodus 3, he asked some pretty audacious things. In, uh, sorry, 33. He asks that, that the Lord, he says, Lord, teach me your ways. Show your favor to me. Let me know your ways. Let me know more about you. And then in verse 18, he says, now show me your glory. Moses, uh, Moses asked to see the glory of God. Have you done that? I know that... We see Jesus and we talk about his glory and his presence. But do you have a prayer life or a boldness and an audacity in your prayer life to shamelessly say to the Lord, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see it. I want to see your presence. I want to know that. Oh, man. I'm praying for that for each one of us. I'm praying for that for here on Sundays that we would see, tangibly realize the sense of the presence and the power of God here with new, new fervency and new passion and new fire. So what jumped off, my, off the page to me as I read that passage of saying, Lord, really, is that what my prayer life is like? Am I at a place where I ask you with shameless audacity? And what would life look like? And what would life be? How different would things be if I prayed those types of prayers? The other thing that strikes me from this this passage is that there's nothing too big and nothing too small for prayer. That if you go back to the Lord's Prayer, it says, Lord, your kingdom come. And in Luke, it says, your kingdom come. And in Matthew, it says, your kingdom come and your will be done. Um, That is the subtle difference. Um, But your kingdom come, Lord. That's a big prayer. Lord, am I praying big prayers with shameless audacity for this city? Lord, we have an issue with homelessness. Lord, I want to pray for that. Lord, your kingdom coming means that homelessness would be dealt with. That's not your will. That's not your purpose. Lord, there's domestic violence going around in the city and around the place. Lord, that's not your will. I'm praying for that. Go on a bigger scale. Lord, Lord, there's people hungry in this world. There's human trafficking that happens in this place, in the world, Lord. I don't believe that's your will. I want to see those sorts of things stop, Lord. The big prayers. But being shameless and audacious with our big prayers to believe that some of that could be outworked, that that isn't the will of God and that he would work in that space. But then the Lord's prayer goes on to say, but also give me my daily bread. Praying for the small things. That there's nothing too small for our prayers. And I in preparing this and reading that book it reminded me of i've heard people preach about oh, god's interested in the small things and the other day i was down at the car park and there was no the shopping center was full and i prayed for a car park and, and i got there and god gave me a park, car park and the cynic in me really just says you really think god's interested in your car park really he's got world wars to worry about got dictators to worry about, he's got a billion people on this planet that, with real issues and needs and you think God's interested in your car park space. That was, you know, you think, but God is interested in the small things. So maybe you want to pray for car parks. I don't pray for car parks because I don't think God's interested there for me, but maybe I need a challenge in it. But God's interested in the small things of our life as well. And sometimes we won't be audacious in our prayers or shameless in our prayers for the small things because we say, oh, God, you're not interested in that stuff. You've got bigger problems than than my back pain. You've got bigger problems than my headache. You've got bigger problems than um, me worrying about the the issues that I've got going on around me. But there's nothing too small for prayer. Many years ago when we were in Papua New Guinea, um, Pastor Barry had preached a message very similar, nothing too big, nothing too small for prayer, and we, um, the next day, we hopped in a plane and flew to, um, to Venemo, which is right on the Papua New Guinea-India border. And our flight was delayed by three or four hours, which is not uncommon for Air New Guinea. Um, but we arrived, but we still got there in time to get to the border. So we had time. We had a vehicle, a hire vehicle that was picking us up and taking us to the border, been arranged by one of the judges there, who was one of our church members. And um, on the way to the airport, we got a flat tyre. Um, so I think, okay, looked at the watch. Still got time to get to the border before it closes. Five o'clock close, still got time, we'll be right. Um, hopped out, found the spare tire, bolted to the back of the four-wheel drive. Um, but there was no jack in the vehicle. So spare tire without a jack, flat tire, we're not going anywhere quickly. Um, so I need to go to the loo, heading out to the bush. And Pastor Barry said, remember, nothing too small, nothing too Uh, big for prayer so he said pray so we shot up a few prayers as I went to the bush to do my business Um, and then as we're coming back or as I'm coming back I hear a vehicle coming along a vehicle that had no reason to be traveling out to the border at that time because the border was so close to closing that everyone who'd done their business and needed to go to the border and back from the border had traveled this empty motor vehicle was coming to the border stopped we jumped on got to the border You could say lucky, coincidence, chance. Um, You could write that off on a whole heap of things. But it was a little concern for us that we prayed and felt like the Lord um, provided someone to to meet us and get us to the border. This same vehicle, when we were coming back, picked us up and ran out of fuel on the way to the airport. So then we had to... um, That time we didn't pray. There was a council government vehicle that picked us up and took us into the rest rest of the way into town. But um, nothing too big, nothing too small for prayer. What do you need to give to the Lord in prayer? How would life, what would be different? What are your small things? What are your big things? What are your small things that the Lord's saying? Be shameless and bold. Be persistent in these things. Keep praying. Continue to pray. Don't Don't give up. Shameless audacity in our prayer life, for me, as I've looked at this passage, you see that as he, Jesus told the story in this parable, he talks about a neighbor-neighbor a relationship, and then he switches it to a father-son relationship. And a father-son relationship is very different to a neighbor-neighbor a relationship. And for me, as he switches that I think it gives me a confidence to be more audacious and bold in my prayer life. Because I am a child, and a child asks very differently things of their father than even the wife, or the mum and dad, or others. So I, last Sunday, it was interesting, I was out the back there just in the foyer talking with Joel, and Joel was wanting to leave, uh, sorry, Kayla was wanting to leave. Um, and she asked, Daddy, can we go? Daddy, let's go. And we were having a great conversation. So she kept asking and kept asking and he kept deferring and making other comments and trying to distract her. And we kept talking. Eventually she came up and took him by the hand saying, Dad, I want to go. Dad, I want to go to pull him out the door. And I looked at her and said this. I said, um, I bet Sarah would like to be able to do that with you sometimes to get you to leave after church or to head off at points of time but she couldn't behave like that because that would be unacceptable behaviour and type of requesting and ways of requesting of a wife Um, but a child gets away with it. A child can pull on the hand and just keep asking and asking and asking and asking until she bent her father's will to actually walking out those doors to hop in the car to go home but... um, that father-child relationship is very, very different. And the Lord really says that's the relationship we're in with our Father in Heaven. Which then gives me a confidence to say, well, if you're my daddy, if you're my Father in Heaven, I can ask like that. I can ask with absolute boldness. And maybe, just maybe, the level of our shameless audacity and our, our, our asking is an indication of the revelation that we have of who we are as His children. And if we're not willing to ask with shameless audacity, maybe it's an indication that there's a blockage in our thinking or in our understanding of the freedom of relationship we have with, with our Father in Heaven. That it, He instructs us to ask like this. This is not me. This is, these are the words of Jesus instructing us to ask and ask and then keep on asking. How secure are you in your, your relationship with the Father? You know, sometimes people say, Oh, no, you, you pray, you're the pastor, you pray, you're this, particularly in developing nations or other spaces. Oh, I want to, you, you do it, you do it. So, no, 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 this is, this type of asking is for each and every one of us. And then there's a promise, and this is amazing. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives; and the one who seeks, finds; and the one who knocks, the door will be open. What a promise! What a promise! That if we ask, we receive; if we know, if we seek, we find; and if we if we knock, the door will be open. How amazing is that? What a what a promise that is ours. But you know as well as I do. There are times when we've asked and the answer hasn't come. And that we live in this space of sometimes there is silence. Sometimes we don't hear back. We don't get the answer that we're looking for. I think of persistent prayer. I think of Effie. She's persistently prayed and prayed and people have persistently, continuously prayed for her. But the answers haven't come the way that she would have wanted, desired Expected, and all I can say in those spaces is, Lord, I trust in your goodness. A number of years ago, Sandra had a kidney stone. When I say kidney stone, normally kidney stones are like this. Hers was, I'm not exaggerating, it was four centimeters kidney stone that had barbs on it, so it had really settled into her, her kidney. Um, and <clears throat> we're in Papua New Guinea, I was praying and praying, Lord, heal her, do a miracle, do a miracle, do a miracle. Nothing came put Sondra on a plane, she flew down to Hobart, her parents were living down there at the time, to have an operation and needed the operation, the kidney kidney stone removed and all sorts of things and um, a couple of operations to get rid of it was that big. Um, But that very time, she'd hopped on the plane and she was flying out, I went back to Bethel Centre and started to lecture and as I was lecturing, I looked at one of the girls in the class who a couple of weeks ago, we'd talked about her back pain and some stress that she'd been under, she'd damaged her back as a child by carrying too heavy a load and working in the garden um, and she wasn't being able to walk into the mountains and do the things that she wanted to do Um, and at that time I said, oh, let's commit this to prayer, you do some fasting and we'll pray again. I'm standing there in that lecture, the Lord said, pray for her now. So I called her out, I prayed for her and instantaneously all the pain that was in her back left and then, like, because I knew her and she was working ended up working for me for another year or so. She had no more pain for, and was able to climb the mountains for for up and down and all over the mountains doing all sorts of stuff. And the, this pain that was there from childhood because she'd damaged her back was just absolutely removed. This is happening at the very moment that my wife is flying to, to Hobart to get a surgery because I didn't get the answer to the prayer that I wanted for her. Um, but very thankful that we had the opportunity to get the the healing for Sondra through, through medical options but there's a promise there, what a great promise and that's an encouragement to keep asking, keep knocking, keep believing. The greatest gift that when we do ask and the passage goes on to say that gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask and we know how to give good gifts, our good Father in Heaven knows how to good to give good gifts and the good gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that's what you need. More than anything else, more than the loaves of bread and those other things, he's saying, I need the Holy Spirit because wrapped up in the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, Jesus, is interceding for us in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is the one outworking his prayers for you. You realize Jesus is praying for you in heaven. He's interceding for you, speaking into the the presence of the Father. Day after day, prayers for you and the Holy Spirit is then outworking those prayers for us here on earth. Let's be audacious in our prayer lives. Let's be audacious, believing for renewal and refreshing and transformation. I'm going to ask Nathan to come and he's going to lead us in a couple of songs. We're going to start by singing that song, Good, Good Father. And I would... Ask us to be audacious in our prayer life. I'm praying, Lord, I need your Holy Spirit. Jesus, give me more of your Holy Spirit and the work of your Holy Spirit in my life. Jesus, I'm believing that as a church on fire will bring renewal to our community. Jesus, I'm believing for breakthrough. I'm personally believing for a miracle and personal healing at this time. But I want to be bold with that. I want to be shameless in the requests. What is your small thing that you are saying, Lord? I want to be shameless. I want to be audacious in my prayer life. And maybe it's even that, just saying, Lord, I want to be shamelessly, have a shameless audacity. And you say, Lord, I don't feel like I've got that. I feel like I'm too timid with my boldness towards you, my requests of you. And you say, Lord, I need that to shift renewal will take place as we go into this place of prayer that is unlimited by our shame and our limitation but we think ourselves as that of children of the God of God who have the freedom to grab hold of the hand and keep pulling and pulling and pulling and I don't know how it works I don't know how Moses and Abraham got to get God to change his mind because it says they changed God's mind so I don't know how that works because I believe in the sovereignty of God and all of that but I do know that we play a part in our prayers, that God works in us and works through us. It's the desire of my heart that each one of us would be postured for renewal, refreshing, transformation and know that intimate prayer with the Father connected to Christ and the Spirit prompting us such a powerful place to be but I challenge each one of us what is it that you what's your small thing but as we sing and we reaffirm our good good father that you would shoot up your prayer and maybe you've prayed before and you said, oh, it's been I'm disappointed it's been silent I haven't I haven't feel like the Lord's heard but you would pray again whether it's for a loved one who doesn't know Christ that you've prayed and Lord would say pray again keep praying don't give up